And I am Robert M. Price. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. Hi, I'm Karen Lumley Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Roy. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool. Hi, I'm Jerry DeWitt. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate. Hi, this is Dan Barker. Hi, I'm John McComb from The John McComb Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drance. Hi, I'm Richard Carrier. Hi, I'm Rhonda Tyson. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of The Thinking Atheist. Hey, guys, I'm Kara Santa Maria. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton. Hi, this is Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, and we took a left of the valley. We did take a left of the valley. And a wrong turn in Albuquerque. And then like, the left of the valley goes right to a glory hole. It it's like, right to a glory hole. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. You just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an Coming at you from the arena This is Left of the Valley My name is Kevin and I've got no problem taking on Jesus in a fight That's because I know he's got bad hands Joining me as usual is team that when the bell goes ding, they go dong. I go dang. <laughs> she ran three miles today and finally said, fine, officer, here's your gun. Nancy. Oh, what a race that was. <laughs> you just got bored one day, didn't you? And I was like, yeah. I wonder, and probably went, I wonder how far I can get. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. In her, in her school, she was searched for weapons. If she didn't have any, they'd give you one. <laughs> <laughs> Those weapons... We're a paintbrush and a pencil. Ooh. Oh. With art. She's thinking today. we got to be careful. Ladies, <laughs> welcome back. I hope you had a great uh, week there. We did. They had American Thanksgiving this last week. Yeah. So happy belated Thanksgiving to all our American listeners and friends. The American, right. the American radio stations are now playing Christmas music. Oh, oh God. They were doing that before, after, right after yep. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. To our dear audience, today we're doing a different show. We are having a debate between an atheist and a Christian. And the debate is, do Christians have the right to reason? Ooh, big question. Now let's join the ladies at ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. That's right. Forget Tiger vs. Phil. Forget the Grey Cup. Heck, forget American Thanksgiving or Black Friday. This is what people came to see. After months of doing the subtle dance of slowly getting closer and all the training, the sweating and preparations, the confrontation has finally arrived. Let's join Kevin at ringside as our fighters are making their way to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, this contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, in the blue corner, from the Lone Star State, the lean, mean, reason machine, Robert Stanley. 
Chris Christensen, you're going down like a sack of potato. We asked Robert what training he undertook for this fight. All right, so first things first, a lot of people think it's all about gym. Let me tell you something. It's all about fitness, and the best way to get your fitness is by what you intake, not what you outtake. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking kale. I'm talking lots of fruits. I'm talking laxatives. You got to keep everything flowing, just like I'm going to be flowing on Chris in a minute, but not in a gross way. I mean, like, with words. And to challenge the host of the Right to Reason podcast, we have in the red corner, the chills of thrills from Christian Hill, Chris the Christian Christensen. They say he can hold his breath for a minute underwater. Two minutes if it's holy water. What dedication. I'm going to take Robert down like David took down Goliath. We also asked Chris about his training. Yeah, just been lifting books all week, pouring over texts, just getting ready to refute him at every possible angle. The die is rolled. This match is certainly the fight of the year. No doubt whatsoever, Nancy. These two gladiators have been waiting to face off for some time now. Let's join Kevin at center ring as he is the official moderator for this showdown. Gentlemen, I am friend to both of you, but today I am not. I'm going to be the timekeeper. I'm going to be a hard ass. If you go over the time and you need to finish your point, I might be generous and leave you a few seconds. Otherwise, I will cut you off. I have the mute button. I can do so. I will end you. I'll smite you the way only apologists can. (laughs) Now, let's have a good fight. No hit below the belt. No rabbit punches. And uh, may the best (laughs) man win. Okay, Robert, since this is your show, I will let you... I I have a coin here in my hand. You have to call heads or tail as to which one of you will go first. You get the... If you get it, you call it right, uh, you get to pick. Sounds good? Tell me when you flip it, bro. I'm ready. Flipping. Heads! It is tails. Chris, you will choose which one of you leads first. Uh, I'll go first. All right, good sir. I respect that. Your five-minute opening arguments or starts right now. So, Christian apologist Paul Chamberlain has noted that many people have concluded that Christianity by its very nature prevents honest, rational thinking and inquiry. While Christians may claim to value evidence, this view on every issue must conform to the Bible. They are handed the truth in advance, and anything that disagrees must be set aside or reinterpreted. If you want to think for yourself and no longer be told what to believe, the only solution is to throw off the shackles of religion. This is a common idea I have found when talking to atheists. Robert and I I have boiled it down to a question for this debate. Are Christians free to think critically about Christianity's truth claims? I'm going to be answering yes, and when I say that, what I mean is that while some churches might discourage critical thinking, the Christian worldview actually encourages it. I plan to defend this with two basic contentions. One, there are many Christian intellectuals who are seriously engaging with critical atheist arguments against Christianity, and two, to not use the minds that Christians believe God has given them is antithetical to Christianity. So let's look at that first contention. Who are these intellectuals? How are they responding? First, there's Francis Collins, the former head of the Human Genome Project. 
In his book, The Language of God, he shows the evidence for evolution and also answers the objections and questions about the Bible that have inevitably raised from it. Second is Alan Chapman, a history of science teacher at the University of Oxford, who explodes a popular atheist claim that religion has always been at war with science. Third is Michael Lycona, a historian who wrote an 800-page book on the evidence for the resurrection and why it stands up as the best possible explanation against all naturalistic hypotheses. Fourth is Alvin Plantinga, a philosopher whose refutation of the logical problem of evil is widely recognized as successful. Finally, Paul Copan has responded to the criticisms of the character of the God of the Old Testament by Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and the late Christopher Hitchens in two different books. Now, Robert might point out that myself and others are biased, but he might as well point out, however, that the sky is blue. Yes, obviously Christians are biased. Everyone has certain biases. But it does not logically follow that because we're biased, we're wrong. That has to be demonstrated if he wants to claim that Christians aren't thinking critically. Now, this might lead to another question, and that is whether Christians are thinking critically because of or in spite of their worldview. And this leads to my second contention, that to not use the minds that Christians believe God has given them is antithetical to Christianity. The two most obvious examples of critical thinking being praised in the Bible are Acts 17, 11 to 12, and 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 19. Acts 17, 11 to 12 says, Now the Berean Jews were of most noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Let's not miss what the author of Acts says there. They are more a more noble character because they examined the scriptures to check Paul's claims, not because they accepted those claims blindly. And it was because of the double-checking that people came to faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 is where Paul defends the doctrine of the resurrection. Robert once asked me if there are certain doctrines that we're not allowed to question as Christians. At first I wanted to say yes. However, the resurrection itself is one of those essential doctrines. And the Apostle Paul says in verse 17 to 19, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If what was expected was blind faith, we would not have expected Paul to say, believe it, uh, get out if it's not true. But that's exactly what he says. Chamberlain notes, amazingly, this call to walk away from Christianity if Jesus did not rise from the dead comes not from an enemy from Christianity, nor even some neutral observer, but from the very pages of the New Testament. Nor does Paul, the Apostle Paul leave it at that, but he over, provides evidence for the resurrection in the form of eyewitnesses who could still be questioned. That is only something you would do if you were sure they would corroborate what you're saying. Now, Robert might be able to give personal experience where questioning was frowned upon by other people, and I'm sorry that he or anyone else went through that. Two things need to be pointed out, though. 30 seconds. First, in general with anecdotes, an interesting anecdote does not tell us about the general assertion is wrong, only that something different happened in a particular case. And second, those sorts of examples are about abuses by Christians, not necessarily about the ideology behind them. So in conclusion, I've argued that there are Christian intellectuals engaging with critical atheist arguments, and I've argued that to not use the minds we believe that God has given us is antithetical to Christian belief. Therefore, I conclude that Christians are free to think. Good start. At least he didn't start with a Bible verse. Wow, with two seconds left. Very well done, sir. Impressive. Impressive indeed. Robert, your opening arguments, please, if you may. Yeah, sure. I mean, 
here's the question. Can Christians think critically? Do Christians have the right to reason? I'm not crazy. Of course they do. We all do. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any former Christians. You start reasoning things out, and trust me, you'll become an atheist pretty soon. That's what I did. And I did it because of the Bible. What we are asking here isn't about Christian IQ. We're asking if Holy Scriptures promote reason or just stupid, blind faith. I think the most condemning evidence against Christian reasoning is the Bible itself. The story of the flood is actually about thought crime. I bet you didn't know that. I want you to think about the word thought crime for a second. Listen to God punish the entire world in this passage I'm about to read to you. And more importantly, listen to how he uses thought crime as a justification for genocide. Genesis 6, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts and the hearts were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord, and he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creepy crawling thing and fowls of the air. It repenteth me that I have made them. They were condemned. Why? Because of our imagination. Because of thoughts of our hearts. That's in quotes, ladies and gentlemen, thought crime. Once again, Genesis talks about God's objection to human reasoning in chapter 11. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. What a threat to him, right? And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and therefore confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. He doesn't want us to be united as one. And there's that word again. God is anti-imagination. I don't recall that lesson in Sunday school. But here it is, plain as day, in the scriptures, the holy scriptures. Psalm 14 says, The fool hath said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt and they've done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. That's thought crime, ladies and gentlemen. Acts 16, 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house saved from what? I ask you, saved from what he will do to you and your house. I'm talking about your children, if you don't believe in him. But God wouldn't hurt children, would he? Well, in another example of God being opposed to reason, he told Pharaoh that he would kill the firstborn children of both Egyptians and Jews if Pharaoh didn't change his mind, and to, and to prevent from him from doing so, God, and here I quote right here, hardened Pharaoh's heart, and then God massacred a bunch of babies. God massacred babies. That's God's stance on the pro-life argument. Hey, pal, that's the Old Testament. Jesus wouldn't enforce thought crime. Well, in Matthew 5, the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time that thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. He continues, we have heard that it was said of them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed with her already 
has committed adultery with her already in his heart. If you feel anger, you go to hell. If you feel lust, you go to hell. That's thought crime. I will tell you what you can and cannot think. That doesn't sound like reason to me. Christian women certainly don't have the right to reason, according to Paul. In Ephesians 6, where he tells the women in the church of Ephesus to submit yourselves unto your husbands and let the wives be subject to their husbands and everything. He told the church at Corinth, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it's not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for this shame for the woman is to speak in church. How reasonable is that? The whole concept of salvation is based on the fact that you have to believe that God, as Christ died, was buried, rose again on the third day. You got to believe it or you go to hell. Okay. Thank you so much, Robert. Robert doesn't hold back. Turns around and uses the Bible against Chris. Wow. There's Robert, the trash talker, using the fuck word. Is that a low blow or just a smart way to get in some jabs? Okay, gentlemen, you both stayed within your respective time. I appreciate that. It means I don't have to bring out the hammer and smash any one of you. Okay, now, for our first rebuttal, for a total of four minutes. Chris, you ready to proceed? Good to go. Here you go. So, by way of reminder, this debate is about whether Christians have the right to reason. When I talk about reason, I mean using my mind to form judgments by the power of logic. And this, I do believe all Christians are free to do. To that end, I made two contentions. Let's review them. I said that there are Christian intellectuals who are seriously engaging with the arguments atheists bring against Christianity. And so far, nothing that Robert has said really touched on that. Next, I said that to not use the mind God has given them is antithetical to Christianity. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul encourages to look into the foundational truth claim of Christianity, the resurrection, and even leave Christianity if it's not true. Robert simply pointed to this with incredulity, doesn't like the consequences because it means you could go to hell if you rejected it, and concludes that Christians don't have the right to reason. Two things should be said here. First, notice that scoffing at a belief because you don't find it believable is not the same as providing a reason-based argument against it. And second, many truth claims have consequences if you reject them. In this case, it should make us reason even more carefully to determine whether there's any validity to it, which is the Apostle Paul's point. Robert clearly contests this point by listing multiple verses that he thinks shows that the Bible does not give Christians freedom to reason. There's another word that I think we should familiarize ourselves with here, and that's called eisegesis. It means interpreting a text by reading your own ideas ideas into it. And whether it's a thought crime or not, Robert's definitely guilt of a, guilty of a hermeneutical crime here. Genesis 6 and 11 is not blanket statements that condemn using our minds. Instead, they're condemning using minds for evil. In Genesis 11, it's a specific evil of building a tower. Robert's right. God's not for humanity being united in evil. I somehow doubt Robert would be either. In Psalm 14, the author gives his opinion of those who don't believe in God and what their resulting actions are. Nothing about thought crime or the Christian freedom to think reasonably follows from this verse. In cherry-picking of verses, Robert leaves out that it was a jailer who asked Paul in Acts 16 what he must do to be saved. 
He came to the realization that he needed to be saved somehow without threat or coercion. Paul was just answering his question. In this way, the Bible seems to encourage reason. If you realize you're in some sort of trouble, get help from someone who can help you. In the Exodus story, it is not clear to me how Robert sees God being opposed to Christian's reasoning. Maybe he could argue that God acted unreasonably, but that's not the point of the debate. He'd have to show from here that it follows that God commands us to act in an unreasonable way. Matthew 5.27-29 holds people accountable for their thought life, but it does not discourage people from using their reasoning abilities. The same is true of Matthew 5.21-22. And finally, Ephesians 5.21-25 is about how families should operate, not a command not to think critically about truth claims. So before Robert reads between the lines in these verses, he has to read the lines better. If there is a case to be made from the Bible that it forbids Christians from thinking rationally, he has not made it so far. Okay. Thank you so much. And may I remind you to keep your mouth in front of the microphone so I don't lose you. Chris says Christians are free to logic. Do they? Chris has spent years in a monastery studying sacred monk fighting style. Will it work? (laughs) Okay, Robert. Are you ready to go? Ready to rock and roll, brother. You go right ahead, sir. Okay, so everything you just heard was stupid. And here's why. And here's, here, you know what, even better, instead of me responding to each of those typical apologist rebuttals, like as if we're moving chess pieces across a board, if I didn't sound convincing to you, then his rebuttals probably didn't sound much more convincing either. But he, here's some examples from the Bible of things that are not really reasonable, and I think we could all agree on that, whether we're atheists or Christians. Number one, if you steal something or sin in any way, cut off your hand. That's Mark 9.43. Cursing at your parents warrants death. Leviticus 29. Men without men with wounded or missing male parts are not allowed in church. Deuteronomy 23.1. If you disobey God, you will eat your babies. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to laugh at that. It's just stupid. Uh, it's, it's certainly not reasonable. Am I crazy? Am I crazy for saying that's an unreasonable thing to say? That's that's the Christian Bible. That's the Jewish Bible. That's the Muslim Bible. That's what these people are pushing. That's Leviticus 26, 27 through 30. If your brother dies, you need to bang his wife. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Mark 12, 19. No bastards may enter the church, Deuteronomy 23.2. A woman's punishment for defending her husband equals cutting off her hand. If you don't remember that one from Deuteronomy 25.11 through 12, two guys are fighting in the street and a woman goes and grabs somebody by the nuts, cut her hand off. That's totally reasonable. How about deformities? Let me read this. Leviticus 21.18-21 For whatsoever man he hath he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose, whatever the fuck that means, or anything superfluous or or a man that is broken footed or a broken hand or crook backed or a dwarf and that hath a blemish in his eye or be scurvy. What are they fucking pirates or scabed or hath his stones broken. That's talking about his nuts. These people can't. Go talk to God. 
God is anti-deformity. Giving birth to a daughter makes you unclean for 66 days. You can look that up in Leviticus 12.5. Non-virgins are to be stoned. And I mean throwing rocks at their fucking face. Deuteronomy 22, 20 through 21. You can reference all this stuff. Here's my favorite one, and I'll end on this and yield the rest of my time. Jacob, okay, Jacob in Genesis 30 took a whole bunch of uh, uh, like sheep and goats and oxen and put them in front of striped sticks and let them fuck each other. And that made them striped and speckled. Ladies and gentlemen, that's stupid. It's not reasonable. The only way you can accept this stuff is on faith. And Chris, as nice a guy as he is, he's a nice guy. I like Chris Christensen. 30 seconds. But he believes in faith. And he doesn't believe in reason. And Christians do not, according to the Bible at least, have the right to reason. Very well done. Good rebuttal, sir. Perfect. Gentlemen, I certainly appreciate you keeping within the time. Make it way too easy for me at this point. <laughs> we try uh, to do the best we can, Gavin. All right. <laughs> Robert with strong haymaker punches about how stupid he thought it all was, and he keeps using the hellspawn feints of redirecting the Bible quotes back to Chris. Uh, both fighters are coming on strong. No one on the ropes yet, but let's see what a few more rounds will bring. All right, Chris, you ready for your, your second rebuttal? Yeah. All right, you go right ahead, sir. So once again, let's get it straight. What we're talking about is, do Christians have the right to reason? Not necessarily, do they believe in reasonable things? And every single example that Robert gave is pretty much maybe him pointing at things that he doesn't agree with, but he hasn't shown that we're not using our reasoning abilities to get through those ideas. And as I said in my opening statement, there are Christian writers who are looking at atheist objections, giving responses to them. And if he wants to show that we're not thinking critically enough about this, then what he would have to do is, for example, go to Paul Copan and Matthew Flanagan's book about is God a moral monster and show that A, their uh, rebuttals to atheist arguments don't work. And that, uh, so, so what he thinks is a better explanation of those things. It's not just enough to point to a bunch of beliefs that we hold and say, oh, Christians don't reason. He has to show the exact area of our failure to reason. And he just hasn't done that. Secondly, I said that the Bible does actually encourage critical thinking. And I gave the example of the Berean Jews in Acts 17, 11 to 12, where it says that they were the most noble of character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Again, let's not miss what the author of Acts says. They are more noble character because they examined the scriptures to check Paul's claims. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul again defends the resurrection. He gives eyewitness testimony. He talks about the, the burial and implies the empty tomb. And he says, look, if this doesn't happen, if this didn't happen, your faith is in vain. He's not saying believe it anyways. He's saying check it for yourself. There's people you can ask. Do that. And if it's not true, then you might as well get out because it's not worth holding on to. That's not the definition of blind faith. And so the idea that just because Christians believe some things that might sound 
supernatural or crazy or maybe even hard to understand they don't have the right to reason that still hasn't been demonstrated yet so in conclusion i'm sorry to say but it still seems that christians are free to think okay thank you so much chris demonstrates strong logic that only comes with years of core conditioning and maybe his diet of fish and loaves help too robert your rebuttal please three minutes uh yeah, I, I would say Christians are free to think. Nobody is challenging that. But I, I did present a whole bunch of crazy stuff that I think everyone in 2018, we've got cell phones, okay? We brushed our teeth. Do you realize they didn't have toothbrushes until cowboy days? These people were idiots. They were fucking goat herders, all right? So here here's my point. Right now, we can look at everything I just said and go, yeah, that's all kind of unreasonable. I dig it. That was from the Bronze Age. And we kind of give them a pass. But Christians today want to act like that has value. And it doesn't. So I saved you guys one. I saved you my favorite one. And this one's really gross. It's cringeworthy. It's disgusting. And it's immoral. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, says that it's okay to own slaves is that reasonable is it reasonable for humans to own other humans because according to God that's reasonable and the only way that you can accept that the only way that you can say that okay I'm fine with that is based on faith and let me tell you something faith is believing in something with a lack of evidence for what you believe. That's what Chris is trying to push on you today. Don't let him do it. I'm done. All right. Well, that was nice and quick. Robert plays the slavery card and uppercuts Christianity altogether. Will Chris recover? Perfect. Gentlemen, that concludes our first and second round of rebuttals. Now for the... Uh, cross-exam? The cross-exam? Okay, so now it's a uh, free-for-all. Cross-exam. Cross-exam between the two of you? That works? Yes. Okay, so five minutes... Go ahead, Chris. So, Robert, the first thing I wanted to ask is, does believing in a rational manner mean limiting our beliefs to ideas that are commonly accepted? Wait, 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 say that again. Does believing in a rational manner mean limiting our beliefs to ideas that are commonly accepted? Mm, I don't think so, Chris. Not necessarily. I mean, it, it, it certainly could. I could present you multiple times through history of ideas that were commonly accepted that were you know, refuted over time, and we would all accept that as a reasonable progression. But not necessarily does it mean that you have to reject you know, the commonly held beliefs. Okay, well, does it mean being honest and responsible in our pursuit of the truth? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm with you there. So you don't think that Christians are being honest and responsible in our pursuit of the truth? Is that what it comes down to? All right. So on that one, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that Christians are liars inherently, but this is a different level, okay? And it's a level called intellectual honesty. So that's whenever I'm facing something that I look at and I go, you know what, I'm not really sure, but... I'm, I'm a little biased about it, right? Like, let's say I want to get a lottery ticket, 
Okay, in Texas, the lottery was like up to like two million or something crazy recently. But if I tell myself, "Hey, maybe I'll win," well, it's not necessarily reasonable. But I'm being a little biased. You see what I'm saying? I'm not being intellectually honest, and it's that kind of thinking that I'm accusing Christians of. I'm saying Christians don't have the right to reason because they're believing in luck in the same way that one might describe faith. Would you agree with like the definitions of faith then that Sam Harris and like Christopher Hitchens give where faith is basically the what you have when you have no evidence? Well, that that would be a definition I like. Uh, the colloquial one would be complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The religious one might be strong belief in God or the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Synonyms like uh, belief, creed, ideology. Uh, but yeah, my definition would be believing in something without good evidence. And I want to add to that. If you have good reason to believe something, then you don't need faith. The gentlemen, I need to warn you, we need to stay on the topic. We don't want to get into another topic of what is faith at this point. Correct? Correct. All right. Continue. <laughs> sort of. I don't know if I agree with that, Kev, but all right. I, I do think that we need to peg down definitions, and I do think faith is very quintessential to whether or not Christians have the right to reason. But, but I, I know you hit running on, the show, so I'm okay with this. But I think you've hit on an important point. You said that faith is trust. Now, my question is, I would say— I did Christ not say that. Well, you said that was part of the definition of faith. Is, I said it's, that was some bullshit colloquial version of faith, and I think that you're probably going to try to jump back and forth between the colloquial usage and the religious one, and that's called conflating terms, better known as the fallacy of equivocation, Chris. Let's not do that. That's dishonest. And that's what I was referring to. If you don't mind me referencing the beginning of your question, intellectual dishonesty. Don't jump back and forth. I'm not talking about trust. You can use faith as trust, and that's okay, but then we got to stay on the trust thing. Right, but I'm saying... Robert, Robert, i got to ask you to keep your call. You answer short, please. This is Chris's time, please, if you don't mind. What I'm saying, though, is, is that Christians trust God, and we do that because we feel that there is enough evidence to do so. I, yeah, I trust the chair I'm sitting on, Chris. That doesn't mean that I don't have a reasonable expectation that chairs work. That's right, but what you haven't actually shown is that we, I'm again asking, what reason or what evidence can you give that what we believe is irrational? You haven't actually shown anything. You've just assumed the burden of proof, Christopher. Sure. But it's just, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you are making a truth claim that what we believe is irrational. So I'm asking you if your your if your point is is that what we believe is rational irrational, and that uh, a rational person wouldn't hold those beliefs. Um, I'm asking thirty seconds. What again? What would it take to make our beliefs rational? To reject the Bible. On what? Uh, what reason? Like because it's. Ridiculous, Krista, Christopher. It's, it's crazy talk. Come on. Goats fucking in front of striped sticks? Is that really where you want to end this question on? I'm not saying that there's nothing that's hard to understand in the Bible, but that doesn't 
go to prove that Christians aren't thinking rationally, particularly if they've come up with reasons to respond to those. Okay, Jalvin, the first five minutes is over. You can tell that these two gladiators are in peak conditioning. By the way, Chris's outfit is provided by Stigmata Clothing. We'll turn the wheel over to uh, Robert now. Robert, it's your go. Yeah, to ask yeah, a no, that's cool. Actually, I just want to pick up right where we left off. I don't <laughs> even have any like, written prepared statement here. I just, I just want to ask, Chris, do you want to defend goats fucking in front of striped sticks? If I was honest, that's one confu- That's one story that confuses me, too. I'm not exactly it sure how... the hell out of me, too, Jack. <laughs> but, on the other hand, my it's faith... unreasonable. But my faith isn't actually dependent on that story of Joseph, uh, Jacob's goats. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get into Jacob and all that rigmarole, let me ask you this. Does your faith require you to believe the Bible? It requires me to trust uh, truth claims made in the Bible. Mm. So does that mean you have to believe that if goats fuck in front of striped sticks that they'll be speckled? Not in order to be saved, no. No, that's not what I'm asking, though, is it? I'm asking you about faith as opposed to reason. I can reason that that's a ridiculous thing to say, and it doesn't work with biology. And I'm sorry to hit you with this, man, because I like you. You're a cool guy. But I I think you got accepted on faith, yes or no. I could at least argue, since I believe in the miraculous, I could believe that God did something miraculous with that. Jesus Christ, Chris. This sounds totally unreasonable to everyone listening. That's my question to you. Are you aware that people listening to you right now recognize that you sound crazy and unreasonable? Are you aware of that? They're welcome to their own opinions. They still haven't... That's not my question, Chris. (laughs) Are you aware that you sound a little crazy based on you defending goats fucking in front of striped sticks? Are you aware that that sounds crazy? Yes or no? Sure. I rest my case. But you, whether I sound crazy or not actually doesn't determine the truth of it or not. Again, I point out scoffing at an idea is not the same as actually disproving no, it, it, especially if we have But it does dis- make you sound like a crazy person that's totally unreasonable. Only it, if you dis- do, only- let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Chris. It's my time. It, the, the only way that we can accept the crazy stuff that you're pulling out of Exodus, uh, Exodus and Genesis, uh, uh, people being swallowed up by great fish and living in them for three days, is the only way that we can accept this is that if we are too unreasonable just as you are? No, it's if you accept the supernatural. But again, we haven't actually seen any... What do I have to do to accept the supernatural? Do I have to have faith? Because I don't. Because faith is believing in something without justifiable evidence well okay i pointed out i can't do that chris i can't do it tell me why i should have faith right now tell me why i should believe jonah lived in a fish for three days without a reasonable explanation can you do that because thought about this the for me the reason why i believe it first and foremost my faith is based on the resurrection. The resurrection seems like That's a... nothing to do with Jonah, Chris. No, but if one miracle happened, 
If there's good evidence for one miracle Did in the supernatural, fish for three days. God damn it! Come on. No, but coming back to life after being dead three days is also a miracle. And if one Why miracle happened, it follows that others can happen. I don't believe it, and I don't. I don't hear any reason that I should. Well, give me one reason I should. That's all I'm asking. I'm not. I'm not trying to like give you a hard time. I'm just saying, give me one goddamn reason. Be reasonable, for Christ's sake. You want a specific answer? You want specific reason to believe in Jonah? That's what you're asking for? I'm asking for whatever you got, man. Give me your best. Give me your best. Because otherwise, I guess I'm just condemned to hell. <laughs> but honestly, I, you, know, you know what I think? You know what I think, Chris? I think, I think rejecting what you're saying makes me free. I think it gives me the ability to look at different options and reason with them rationally, and that's freedom. That's liberty, and I believe that you and your faith are against those things. I mean, I can't uh, deny your opinion, Um, but again, if I was going to be pushed on it, I would just say that the resurrection has evidence for it. It's evidence that isn't against anything uh, I don't even think an atheist could accept. Like Jonah. For- All right, gentlemen. Jo- thank you so much for round no, two. You get Jonah. Can, can you give him extra time to, to say to Jonah, Kev? Uh, Just make an exception. Give him extra time. Can, Let him I explain I can transfer Jonah. this to my question and answers. Well, you give him an answer in 10 seconds there, and then we'll start the timer for you. If God exists, supernatural is possible. Therefore... Jonah being swallowed by a fish is possible. What? All if right. God, then Jonah, that's your answer? Kev, are you going to let him do this? Give him another 20 seconds. Let him <laughs> no, answer. no, no, no. Give no, him no. more time. <laughs> he, his answer was, if God, then Jonah. I refuse to accept it. The listeners refuse to accept it. Kevin, I guarantee you refuse to accept it. I'm sorry to fuck with you as a moderator. I, I respect you taking control of this i'm just asking you give him another give him another 20 seconds i i have to remain neutral in that sorry robert i have to remain neutral i have to keep the clock there i think chris christensen (laughs) can do better and i think the people listening deserve better (laughs) (laughs) we'll come back at the end there maybe we can answer that you do get another five minutes too don't okay chris i guess kev's gonna back you up man (laughs) no no My you got two savior. saviors, Jack. Jesus oh. and Kevin. Yes, thank God the atheist is here. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing you, you can start worshiping me too. I'm <laughs> sorry, I, I got a little upset. I just I, the whole Jonah thing's crazy. It's crazy. Come on. All right. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm sorry. Robert has Chris on the ropes. Is that the demonic cobra clutch? Oh my God, it is. Chris, go ahead. Oh, this seems appropriate. Um. What kind of evidence counts to you? Like, I don't, does, I don't even you, understand the question. There's, I guess there are gradients of evidence. I will accept that, sure. Does being rational require that one believe only ideas for which one has evidence? Yes. What kind of evidence counts? I guess empirical claims, perhaps. It's a difficult question, but it deals with... It's a difficult uh, question, but since you're accusing is, me, Christians of not having it evidence, the question of what is truth, and and that is hard to answer. But, but you're requiring I, I would say something of people that have value. 
But shouldn't you have a better idea of what you would consider evidence before you start demanding it of people? Otherwise, you're just kind of setting up a invisible oh. <laughs> target for people to swing at. We're, we're all dealing with the question of what is truth, yes. that That's a difficult question for all of us. Immanuel Kant had a hard time answering that a long time before you and I were born, and, and we're going to be asking that question for a long time. But yeah, it is hard to... to break down what clarifies as evidence if we're going to define evidence is that which leads us to truth even though it's hard to define what is truth but sure I'll, I'll grant you that I am lacking in that regard just as you are you saying that you can't provide an answer to that <laughs> clever I'm, I'm saying that I can provide an answer I'm just saying that we both have uh, uh, issues with trying to identify what is true but well the other question then is how much of this that. evidence do you need in order to cross the line from believing irrationally to believing rationally ask me one more time if you don't mind how much evidence do we need in order to cross the line from believing irrationally to believing rationally I would say that a healthy way of deciding between those two would be if rejecting the information that's provided would be considered preposterous by our peers. So in the same way, if, if I were to say something to you and you say, I don't accept that, but everyone around us goes, are you nuts? Uh, so that's not a horrible method. And, and it and is totally elementary as that sounds. That's kind of how science works in a way. So does evidence have to be open and convincing to everyone? Not everyone, 100%, no. But a consensus is helpful in determining truth. It gets us closer to it. It doesn't necessarily classify it. Wouldn't and I think an argument from authority, the direction though? that you're going, if you don't mind me throwing a little interjection here, I kind of see the game you're playing, and you're trying to do the whole, like, are you 100% accurate game? And nobody's 100% convinced about anything. Even if they say they are, they're not. I'm just asking questions. And could there and, be evidence that is open to some people and not everyone? Uh, what is it? Could there be evidence that is open to some people and not everyone? Yes. Can you produce evidence for everything that you believe? Yes. Yeah? Can you produce evidence, say, even just for the fact that you weren't just put onto this earth five minutes ago? Yes. Because I can't. Everything that I, at least there, at least in my head, um, every even the evidence that I, I guess I should rephrase that. Can you say with 100% certainty that you weren't put here five minutes ago? No. But you believe that despite that? Despite 100%, yes. Which is exactly what I accused you of trying to do. And that's intellectually dishonest. And everybody just saw the game you played. 30 seconds. Well done, sir. You just, just confirmed my accusations. But if you can believe some things without being irrational, even if you don't have 100% evidence or the evidence that everybody accepts, how can you say that Christians are necessarily irrational for that? 
I don't even know what that question was supposed to be about. Are you, are you still pushing the 100%? No, I'm saying that you seem to be because you, we don't have evidence that you accept. Therefore, we're irrational to you. That's where no, we've gone I'm from like, everything. That's called a straw man, Chris. You're better than that. All no, right, I'm not gentlemen. saying that the reason you're wrong is because I don't agree with you. All right, gentlemen, that was a five minute. Lots of fancy footwork, lots of punches flying. What happened to reason? Is it down for the count? Okay, turn the wheel over to Robert. Here you go. Quick question. Are there certain things that you must think in order to be a Christian, such as believing in God, for example? Yes. Okay. If you reasoned yourself out of those beliefs, would you still be a Christian? No. Therefore, do Christians have the right to reason themselves out of the belief in Christ? According to your opening statement, yes. No, according to what you just said, if I reason my way out of being a Christian, then I no longer have the right to reason as a Christian. Right or wrong? Can an atheist be a Christian? No, but if you reason yourself out of atheism, you're no longer an atheist either. So, obviously, like, it's kind of... Reasoning myself out of atheism, wouldn't that be called faith? No, well, maybe it would be called faith, but that's not the point that you just made. You just said... But you changed the topic. You're the one that changed it over to this, so let's go here. This is more... This is even better than I was thinking. Okay. So if I, as an atheist, became a Christian and I accepted Christ on faith... You would no longer be an atheist. Right. So does that mean that but you don't... Then ever... I would be a faithful Christian, and faith isn't necessarily based on reason, is it? Uh, it's... I don't think that's true, no. What is faith, Chris? Faith is... Chris, faith Chris, is trust. What is faith? faith is trust. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is this is back to the equivocation thing. All right, the colo- the colloquial definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The religious definition of faith, and if if I say something you reject, correct me, please. Feel free, interrupt me if you need to. Strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. The synonyms are belief, creed, ideology. You are conflating terms again. Every time I push you on faith, you use intellectual dishonesty. You use games, you use tactics, and you try to mix the terms when convenient, and everybody sees you for what you are. But, Robert, here's the thing. I believe that God exists, and I believe that I believe that God exists. Therefore, I put faith in him. That's no different to me than putting my trust in anybody else. So whether I'm... Wrong. Wrong. How so? If you put your trust in the police, then you put your trust in society in a socialized mechanism that is benefiting from trying to keep everyone safe and not break crime. Or not but break that's not trusting the them? Crime. If you put your tra- trust in a fireman, then you believe they don't want your house to burn down. And you have reason to think so. It's a reasonable thing to believe in a fireman. But give that's still putting trust where, in give them. Me, Chris, Chris, give me an example where it's reasonable to believe in faith over 
evidence. Give me one example. Give me one time that you would say that that believing in faith was a better route than believing in evidence presented to you. Now you're conflating terms. I don't believe in faith. I believe in God. So I put my faith in God. Do you believe in God based on faith? I believe in... Do you have faith in God, Chris? It's a simple question. You're a Christian. Chris, the Christian Christensen has faith in God, yes or no? Yes, and that's the same as me saying I put my trust in him. You made my point for me. Let me ask you this. Billy Graham said, faith simply means believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. And I would like to ask him, but he's dead. But I'll ask him someday. Hopefully you can help with this. Is there anything that can't be accepted on faith? Is there anything that cannot be accepted on faith? 30 seconds. I'm not sure. I think we both know the answer to that is no. Is there anything that can't be accepted on faith? I'm I'm not going to ask you because I couldn't ask Billy and obviously I can't ask Chris. I'm going to ask the listener. Ask yourself right now, if you're listening to this, is there anything that you couldn't take on faith? I yield the rest of my time. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Is Chris the Abbotsford apologist coming back? Is he rallying? Has he got the right stuff? Is he going to come back swinging? That was a nice spirited debate. (laughs) Totally enjoyed that. Now, just for um, argument's sake and for the listener's sake, can you guys, both of you, give me a very brief description or definition, because I think we're hitting some semantics here on the word, what you feel, and I mean very brief here, what you feel faith and what Christian means. Chris, you go ahead first. Very briefly. All right. In short, follow, being a Christian means follower of Christ. Okay. And because I believe that he resurrected from the dead, therefore, I believe that he resurrected from the dead, therefore, I put my faith in him. Okay. And what do you mean by faith? I mean trust. You mean trust. Okay. Robert, and when you, when, when, when you hear the word Christian, what's your definition? Well, to me, the definition between, and I'll make it quick, the definition between a Christian and a follower of Christ as uh, Chris described it, is the difference between believing that and believing in. I can believe that Christ existed. I'm not necessarily a mythicist, though. I think mm-hmm. that makes some interesting points. But I don't believe in Christ. For example, if I believe that the Constitution was a useful legal document to restrict government authority, that's different from saying I believe in the Constitution. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, absolutely. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's a faith-based requirement, and that's what Christianity is. It's believing in something rather than believing that something. Believing that something is reason. And, believing something is faith. And very briefly, faith. Faith? My definition? Yep. I, I, gave, I gave the colloquial one. I gave the religious one. Okay. Uh, the Bible definition is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith oh, is I want, the I want your definition. so for and the evidence of things not seen, but my definition is simply that belief in something without good evidence is faith. Okay, perfect. Gentlemen, uh, here comes your closing arguments. Chris, you go first. So I'm really grateful to Robert for being willing to do this debate, and I'm grateful to Kevin, too, for opening up his living room and moderating it. I hope everyone listening to it has enjoyed it. In closing, I'd like to say that I did not become a Christian until I was about 19. That was because while I'd grown up in a Christian home, I had too many questions about God and how we operated in this world to follow him. 
However, it was someone taking the time to sit down with me and answer those questions that overcame my unbelief. And there are still authors doing that about a multitude of subjects. Others have taken a more proactive approach. Several people who were not Christians decided to check out the foundational claim of Christianity to see if it stood up to scrutiny. Lee Strobel, a skeptical journalist, investigated the resurrection and became a Christian. Josh McDowell became an atheist, uh, or sorry, Josh McDowell, an atheist lawyer, studied it like he would a court case and became convinced the evidence stacked up in the resurrection's favor. J. Warner Wallace, a cold case homicide detective, studied the Gospels like crime scene reports and became convinced they were eyewitness testimony to the resurrection. Nabil Qureshi, a Muslim, studied the resurrection, compared the evidence to it for the tra- evidence for it to the truth claims of, claims of Islam, and became convinced that Christianity was true. Second, I'd like to end with an encouragement to to all of us to use our brains, God-given or not, to continue to seek truth. Robert tries to paint us as irrational because Christians have faith. This is because atheists have it stuck in their head that you either have to have faith or you have to have evidence, and that's a false dilemma. The third option is, as Paul Chamberlain says, says, exists in examining the evidence for the truth of Christian claims and being led by that evidence to embrace Jesus as a divine son of God and the Old and the New Testaments as a written revelation of God. To paraphrase a famous guy down in Texas, you might come to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead so that you put your faith in him. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Robert, your two-minute closing uh, statement, please. Yeah. Um, mine's gonna be weird. I'm sorry, Kat. <laughs> it is not a. <laughs> it's not as organized. Uh, I just want to say thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for having the right to reason. Thanks for considering all these crazy ideas. Whether you're a Christian, an atheist, it doesn't matter. Uh, I wrote a really persuasive and articulate closing statement. I think so, but that could be ego. But I, I literally printed it out in blue ink because I'm out of black ink. And then I crumpled that shit up and I put it in the trash because I heard a, a recording of Chris Hitchens and nothing I wrote sounded better than late great Chris Hitchens comment on the topic. So I will let him close for us today and I will yield the remainder of my time thereafter. There is no big brother in the sky. It is a horrible idea that there is somebody who owns us, who makes us, who supervises us, waking and sleeping, who knows our thoughts, who can convict us of thought crime, who can do thought crime just for what we think, Uh, who can judge us while we sleep for things that might occur to us in our dreams, who can create us sick as apparently we are and then order us on pain of eternal torture to be well again. To demand this, to wish this to be true, is to wish to live as an abject slave. It is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing, in my submission, that we now have enough information, enough intelligence, and I hope enough intellectual and moral courage to say that this ghastly proposition is founded on a lie and to celebrate that fact and i invite you to join me in doing so thank you and there you have it folks 
Thank you so much to Robert Stanley. Thank you to Chris the Christian Christensen. Thank you to the ladies at ringside. We'll let you now decide who came out on top of this debate. Thank you so much for joining us at Left Out of LA once more. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can follow us at leftoutofvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. Send us an email at leftoutvalleyatoutlook.com. Give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It really helps us and helps others find the show. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. I think I had a blast, that's for sure. And uh, we'll certainly have some more debates between those two and some more debates with our friend Chris, the Christian Christensen as well. So who do you think won? You let us know. Send us an email. Oh well, guys. I guess that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk next time. There must be something missing in your brain. proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel. Thanks for having me on today, Hey, why don't you give me a chance to plug? I need to do a plug if you want to set me up. <laughs> yes, I can. Actually, you want me to do the plug before you set me up? Wow, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, everybody can find me at patreon.com forward slash right, and they can learn more at the right to reason.com. And you, Chris, if people want to find more about you, where can they reach you? DefensiveEden at gmail.com. Okay. Today Don't go there. I feel like I took a left at the right to read into the Quiet.